Amen. Thank you, Pastor Jay. Um, just spoke to my heart just in those moments about my own walk, my own spiritual formation, and pray that those truths are uh, seen in our own lives. Um, tonight, it's so good to be with you tonight um, and preaching uh, this weekend. Pastor Tim is actually uh, taking some time with his family. He's with Justin and Val out east. And uh, he's going to spend some time with them and come back. And uh, so be praying for him. And it's just a refreshing time uh, as he's away. And uh, so be, pray- be in prayer for him. But uh, man, Andrew, I love that song. I mean, just really flows with what we're going to talk about tonight, what we're going to hear tonight from God's Word. And uh, um, man, it just really spoke to me. That's, that's a fantastic song. I hope we sing that more in the days ahead. So. Um, tonight we're actually going to be, uh, Pastor Tim's been preaching through First Peter, and uh, um, I'm going to start with uh, a verse from First Peter that Pastor Tim had preached on previously a few weeks ago, and then we're actually going to be in Romans chapter 8, so uh, you can mark both of those places. Um, but a, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Tim preached, um, his message was on the great amazing grace, the great amazing grace. And as part of that sermon, in verse 4, it talked about the blessing of an unfading inheritance. And as he preached that sermon, uh, I knew that I was going to be preaching and hadn't yet determined what, uh, what that was going to be uh, about for, for this weekend. But my thoughts started to uh, hone in on um, the idea of our inheritance in Christ and the everlasting, the eternal inheritance that we have through Christ. And my thoughts were, you know, what, what is our inheritance? What does it mean for me now as well as in eternity? And Pastor Tim mentioned in that passage, uh, and we'll read it in a minute here, but he talked about that we're heirs of Christ and with him, co-heirs with Christ. And then he talked about it's, it not being material, but being spiritual. And he mentioned uh, that we're adopted as children of God. And he referenced Romans 8 in that passage, and uh, that's really where it took me to, Romans 8, 12 through 17. And I went back and I read through that passage, and God began to speak to me about the Holy Spirit's involvement in our inheritance, what it means to live according to the Spirit, my obedience to the Spirit, what it means to be a son of God and an heir and a co-heir with Christ, and then finally what it means to share in his glory. Man, what a day that will be. Amen. We get to be in his presence. So today, <clears throat> tonight, we're going to begin by reading 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5, and then we're going to move over our focus to Romans chapter 8, uh, starting with verse 12. But if we look at 1 Peter here, and uh, we look at verses 3 through 5, it says, Blessed be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And then we'll jump over to Romans chapter 8. It says, So then, brothers... We are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if we live according to the flesh, you will die. 
But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be also glorified with him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. And Lord, that we would be obedient to your word. And Lord, that we'd be renewed in our spirit. Lord, as we look to you tonight, Lord, we love you. We thank you and we praise you. For it's in Jesus' name. Amen. So what are some of the aspects, key aspects we see about our inheritance in Christ? So the first blessing of an unfading inheritance is that we receive the promised Holy Spirit. We receive the promised Holy Spirit. Jesus promises us the Holy Spirit as a helper, as a guide. Uh, Let's uh, turn over to uh, John chapter 14. They may have it on the screen as well. Starting with verse 15. It says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you an another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees nor nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and and will be with you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am, I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. He sent us a helper. He sent us the helper. He's not leaving us alone. When we come to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in and indwells us. And he becomes that acting agent in our inheritance to come. Beginning that process of changing us and molding us and making us to be new and to be like him. That's an ongoing process. I know that I can't do that in my own. I need his help in doing that. So who, who in here needs a helper? I know I do. Okay? I know I do. I need a helper to walk with me, to help me know what God's word says and how to live it out to be more like him. Because that's that, that's that process of being, becoming like him so that we're glorified. When we're glorified in our new, new heaven and new earth, that we're, that we're like him. Okay? And that's, that's a process, but we need him here in that. It is the Holy Spirit that gives action to the inheritance to come. The Spirit begins that process. The Holy Spirit is that helper we need to overcome, to grow, to find new life and to be transformed into his likeness until we see glory that's going to come. It is that same spirit, though, that helps put, it, uh, put to death our flesh and leads us and guides us in righteousness. And we see that here uh, in, uh, 
in Romans, in the first part of this passage here, it says, So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put death to death, the deeds of the body, you will live. There's a battle that's taking place, though, that's happening uh, between life and death for us. Putting to death that old life and putting on new life led by the Spirit. Right? If we don't have the Spirit, we don't have that transformation. We don't have that growth in who Christ is and changing and molding us to be like Him. We see it uh, there in that passage. To live in the flesh is to die. To live in the Spirit is to put to death the old deeds of the body. And we struggle with that every day. Okay? I don't know about you, but I do. I struggle with the flesh every single day. It's a battle for life and death. Look, at, look up at, at verse 6 there in chapter 8. It says, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Flow down to verse 9 and 10. It says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. We see this, this transformation that needs to take place, the death of the old self and the bringing of the new. The Spirit has set us free. He has set us free for those who are in Christ Jesus. How do we know that? How do we know that? Jump up to verse 1 through 4. It says, There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, And for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. It is Christ. It is through Christ that we have been set free. For the life of the believer, there must be death to bring life. Jesus was that sacrifice. As we walk along here, uh, normally at the end of the uh, sermon, we give some takeaways. Okay? I'm going to give you an extra chance to write them down since at the end it would be awfully quick. So I'm going to, because I'm a question asker. As I go through the passage and I'm studying, I'm asking questions of myself that it can apply to me and help me to, to grow and that we can use in our community groups. So here, here you go. So here's the first takeaway for you. What does it mean? To live according to the flesh versus according to the Spirit. What does it mean for you to live according to the flesh versus according to the Spirit? That's something that, that you need to grapple with. Look through Scripture. Talk about in your community groups. Okay? The work of the Spirit in the life of a believer is essential. Putting to death the old nature and receiving the new nature by the Spirit of God. The Spirit helps us to put to, to death the flesh, leading and guiding us in righteousness. Okay? First Peter 
if you want to jump back there, in chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, It says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Pastor Tim preached on this last Sunday. And the key to, this, to this, that short passage right there is obedience. Obedience. Okay. The Spirit can be at work in us and around us, and we can be in His Word, but if we're not obedient to His Word and we're not obedient to the Spirit, we're not going to grow. We're not going to be transformed. We have to be obedient. That key to transformation is by the Spirit is obedience. He calls us to be holy because He is holy. How does that happen? Through the Spirit. Not anything that I can do. I just mess it up. But it's the Spirit that works in us to be holy because He is holy. Okay? This this just doesn't happen. This just doesn't happen without the promised Holy Spirit in our life. Okay? So then here's your, your second takeaway. How does obedience relate to being led by the Spirit? Or you could say, how is obedience connected to being led by the Spirit? Or what does that practically look like in your life? What is that obedience? How does obedience and being led by the Spirit, what does that look like in your life? Okay, The Spirit's not just in the moment of great need or danger. You know, we see that in the Batman movies with the, you know, the bat signal that goes up and Batman comes a-running, right? Okay? That's, not the, that's not the way that it works with the Holy Spirit. As a believer, we have the Holy Spirit within us that's leading us, that's guiding us, that's walking with us, that's transforming us. Um, it's about being led by the Spirit. There in verse 14, it says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Okay? That are led by the Spirit. The Spirit goes with us. He leads us. He guides us. The Spirit's not sporadic, but He's constant in our life. Now, we may choose to ignore Him and not walk with Him, but He's there. He's there. All who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. John 13, uh, John 13, uh, 16, 13. You want to jump over there. John 16, 13, sorry. It says, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he, will, he won't speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and declares to us in our life. The truth, the truth of God's word. When the Holy Spirit leads believers, 
He should become the controlling influence and factor in our life. Leading us to bear fruit. Okay? So the question then is, a takeaway, so what changes need to take place for the Spirit to be controlling the controlling factor or influence in your life? What changes need to take place in your life? What changes need to take place in my life for Him to be the controlling factor, the influencing factor in our life? Because here's what we do. We allow our feelings, our circumstances to lead us and guide us versus the Holy Spirit in our life and what His Word tells us. And we want to push, push, we want to push aside what Scripture says because it's inconvenient or it doesn't make, we don't want to follow that and we allow our feelings and our circumstances to control and lead us. But the Spirit calls us to the Word, Amen. the Word of truth, to change us and transform us and to follow and guide us. Okay? We might think what knows be- we know best, but when He leads and guides us, it's always true, the truth, to His Word. Never away from it. It's always to it. It's never away from it. Okay? And if... If you feel in your own heart, in your own life, <clears throat> that what you're reading is pushing you away, if you're walking away from what it says, stop immediately and turn back the other way. Because your feelings and your circumstances are guiding you. Right? Turn back to the truth. Because when it does, we'll bear fruit. We'll bear fruit in our lives. The Spirit bears fruit in our lives. Everlasting, eternal fruit should be showing itself in your life. Okay? Galatians, run over to Galatians. In chapter 5, it gives us a list here. Okay? You may know it by heart. Sing the song in your head. It says, But the, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Did you catch that? To keep in step with the Spirit. That means we're walking with Him. Walking with Him. Be in step with the Spirit. Now this, this gives us a list here, but it's not necessarily complete, okay? But in this, we have to stay on guard. We have to stay on guard because it goes on in verse 26. It says, Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another, okay? Allow the fruit of the Spirit to be working out in you, okay? If we're allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us, we should bear fruit, okay? If we are in Christ, crucify the flesh. And keep in step with the Spirit as not to become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. Okay? Galatians 6, 8 says, For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap what? Corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Okay? We're getting to it. What's to come? 
Okay? The Holy Spirit is leading us that way. Okay? So what the next, your next uh, takeaway. So what are some practical ways to sow to the Spirit? Okay? Write that down. You can talk about it later. Talk about it in your community group. So what are some practical ways to sow to the Spirit? When I think about um, this passage here in the, in the bearing fruit, um, I think about orchards. Okay? If you, look, you think about an orchard, those can come in all different varieties of, of fruit, uh, different trees that are in an orchard. An orchard may contain, um, you know, maybe oranges or mangoes or lemons or grapefruit, okay, in an orchard. Uh, but they all, however, each of those only bears one kind of fruit, right? Okay. But if you think about the life of a believer, through Christ and the tree of grace, watered by the spirit of life, bears every variety of spiritual fruit. And apart from that spirit, no spiritual fruit has ever been produced. Spiritual fruit comes through the working of the Holy Spirit in our life. Amen. Following Him, the truth of His Word. Okay? Um, the spirit, spiritual fruit is produced through Christ and the working of the Spirit in us. We must be sowing in the Spirit. Okay? But what gives me great joy is the Spirit is a guarantee, a guarantee of our inheritance to come. His Word tells us that it is. Jump over to Ephesians chapter 1. If you were in Galatians, it's the next book over. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Okay. Ephesians chapter 1, starting with verse 13. It says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is a guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. We have a promised inheritance and a guarantee through the Holy Spirit to receive it. Through salvation in Christ, we are sealed with a promise. Sealed. Okay? When you think about the Old Testament and King, when they sent a, an official document, okay, they would seal it up and then they, they would have the wax, right? Okay? And then the king would seal that. He would put his mark using his ring into that wax, and he would seal that document, right? Okay? And that was the king's mark coming from him. Okay? And for us, the Holy Spirit is that mark on our life. We are sealed. We are marked by him. Amen. And the promise of our inheritance to come is in that document for us. Through the Holy Spirit, God has sent us a living daily proof of your relationship with Him now and a guarantee for all eternity. Wow! What a day that will be. Amen. What a day that will be. There's not too many things that uh, in this life that have a guarantee, right? 
I give, I give you two. Yeah, death is one of them. The other one's taxes, right? Okay, guaranteed to pay taxes, and, and the other one is, is to die. But uh, we have a guaranteed inheritance through the Spirit. The second blessing of our unfading inheritance is we become children of God and co-heirs with Christ. Okay? This is the hope of our salvation. We are adopted as children of God. We are sons of God and adopted as children of God, becoming heirs and co-heirs with Christ. If you're back in Romans, it says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back in fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs and heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Okay, We are heirs with him, co-heirs, adopted. In, uh, remember back in, in John 14 that we read, in verse 18, it says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world will not see me no more. And, but you will see me, because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he is he." It is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by the Father, and I will be loved. I will love him and manifest myself in him. We go from orphans to to adopted children of God. The spirit of adoption is another privilege of belonging to those who are in Christ Jesus. And as children of God, all that he has is ours. I don't know what all that encompasses in, the, in, in eternity, but I can't wait. All that he has is ours, and I'm a co-heir with Christ Amen. to it. Okay. Um, I don't know if you've seen the YouTube videos or Facebook videos of uh, the kids that are opening a present, and they open it up, and there's adoption papers in there, and they unfold it, and they see it, and they immediately start crying with joy, tears of joy, because in that moment they recognize that they've gone from being, being an orphan to being an adopted child of that person. And the joy is overflowing. And, uh, you know, when I, think about, when I think about my adoption in Christ and becoming a child of God, I want to cry out, Abba, Father, to my heavenly Father. It's going to be an awesome day. A few weeks ago, Drew shared a story uh, about Jovi and uh, with the, the little trampoline, and she wants him to watch. And she says, Daddy, Daddy, watch, watch. Daddy, Daddy, watch, watch. She's so excited, and she's wanting his attention. And she cries out to him, Daddy, Daddy. And then Liz, his wife, had a, a Facebook post of grandpa with Jovi and kind of the same thing she's saying papa papa bubbles bubbles papa papa bubbles bubbles she's trying she she's getting that attention there's that that child and father or child and grandfather relationship that's there okay and that special relationship that we have in Christ 
And when, when I think about that, the question comes to mind, then how have you experienced the love of the Father in your life? How can that overflow into the lives of those around you? And I think with the spirit of adoption, we don't have to be fearful. We don't have to be slaves of the old self. We can cry, Abba, Father, and and know that loving relationship between a child and their father. Because he transforms slaves into children of God. We were slaves to sin, but this was overcome by the Father who desires to be in relationship with us, with me, with you, making you his own, caring for you, giving you all he has as an inheritance. So how, do we, how did he provide for this? You can jump over to Hebrews chapter 9, 11 and 12. It says, But the Messiah has appeared, high priest to the good things that have come, in the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is not of this creation. He entered the most holy place once for all, not by the blood of goats and calves, but, as his, uh, but by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a young cow, sprinkling those who are defiled, sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of the Messiah, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse our conscience from dead works, to serve the living God? Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called might, be, might receive the promise of eternal inheritance because a death has taken place for redemption from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. As children, he has provided his son, Jesus, to pay the price for our salvation and adoption as sons and daughters. For you and for me. So that those who are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. As it says in verse 15. We are his redeemed for his glory. For his glory. Not for mine. But for his glory. The new covenant in Christ no longer needed what would be the blood of bulls and goats, right? Under the law, the law was a a custodian. But through faith, we're no longer in need of a custodian. But we become adopted children of God. His, as sons and daughters, heirs with Christ. And he is our mediator and the heir of all things. A third blessing of our unfading inheritance is that we will share in His glory. And immediately our minds go to, well, we'll get the new body, right? New heaven, new earth, okay? No, what does verse 17 say here? Send it, if children, then heirs and heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. Sharing, part of sharing in His glory is sharing in his suffering. Sharing in his suffering. Romans 
uh, we just read. And uh, it said the life of a believer is not one of comfort and ease. It doesn't mean that things are going to be peaches and cream. The life of a believer means sharing the gospel. It means persecution in our life. It means it's not going to be easy. You know, some may think that it's going to be easy. And they may even think or live this way. But that's not, that's not what Scripture says. That's not what Scripture says. That's a, a false teaching. We see it on TV all the time. The health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. We see it. But that's not truth. That's not what God's Word says. God's Word is contrary to that. 1 Peter 4, 12-16 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as far as you share Christ's suffering that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the Spirit of glory and of God rests on you. It says, don't be surprised. We're going to suffer in this world. But if we're in Him, entrusted to the Creator, led by the Spirit, we're going to share in His suffering till we go to be home with Him in the in the future, in glory. The next question for your takeaway, am I willing to suffer as a Christian? Am I willing to suffer as a Christian? What does it look like to suffer for Him? It's comforting to know that all who share in Christ, that one day I will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my rest but also sharing in His glory speaks to the future. Okay? Romans 8.18 says, For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. It's going to happen. Some things we just don't know, couldn't even comprehend probably in this life. But I can't wait how glorious that will be the day that I will be in His presence. So what about new bodies and new heaven and new earth? Those are things to come. Okay, Romans 8.23 says, And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who are the firstfruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. 1 Corinthians 15 Verse 42 and through 44 says, so it, is, so is it with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is imperishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown in natural body. It is raised in spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. We're going to get a new body. It's going to be awesome. I can't tell you how awesome that would be. The physical limitations that some of us have in my own body, it's aging, 
But I can't wait for the day when I get that new body. It won't matter anymore. Verse 19 says, For the creation waits eagerly and longing uh, for the revealing of the sons of God. All creation is groaning for it. Paul sees the receiving of new resurrected bodies as a fulfillment of our privilege as adopt, uh, privileges of adoption. It is for this hope we are saved, it says in Romans 20, uh, 8.24 there. And if we jump over to Revelation 21... Verses 1 through 4, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned by her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. There shall be no more mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Ultimately, new heaven and new earth will be great, but we'll get to be in His presence. We will get to be in His presence. Uh, Cindy and I, Lost a daughter in 2003. She was stillborn. And uh, I know that she's with the Lord. And, you know, my heart longs to one day see her. But it will pale in comparison to being in the presence of my Savior. I'll get to enjoy that with her. But to be in His presence will be glorious for all of eternity. For all of eternity. So last question for you, your takeaway. So what do you long for? What do you long for? Do you long to be in the presence of the King? What an unfading inheritance we will have in eternity. As we close... I want to run back through these takeaways so you can write them down if you were doing that. What does it mean to live according to the flesh versus living according to the Spirit? How does obedience relate to being led by the Spirit? What does that practically look like in your life? Praise team, you can come on up. The third one, what changes need to take place for the Spirit to be a controlling factor in your life? Before, what are some practical ways to sow to the Spirit? Number five, how have you experienced the love of the Father in your life? How can that overflow into the lives of those around you? Number six, are you willing to suffer as a Christian? What does that look like to suffer with Him? And the last question, what do you long for? Do you long to be before the king? As this song plays, I can't help but know that God was 
speaking to people tonight. We open His Word. He, he is with us. He is in our presence. And we're here to meet with Him. Not with each other. We're here to meet with Him. And as we sing tonight, just in this moment, we, didn't, we haven't done this in, in a while, but in this moment as we sing, the Lord has spoken to your heart tonight. If He's not the controlling factor in your life, and you desire for Him to be, take this time. If you don't know Him, if you don't have that relationship with Him, and know the joy of the Holy Spirit in your life, today, it says, the Scripture is the day of salvation. Amen. Give your life to Him. Stand, let's stand together. I'm going to pray. And as we play this song, Jay and Tracy and uh, Drew are in the back. Just, just step out. Nobody's going to follow you. Nobody's going to be looking at you. Just step out and go back and, and pray with them. Talk with them about how God is speaking to your heart. Just back in the next steps area. They'll be back there. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this time. Lord, as we sing together, Lord, I pray that your spirit would just move us, would move in us to be obedient to what you're speaking to us just in this moment. Father, I pray that if there's someone here tonight that does not know you, I pray that they would place their faith and trust in you alone. Your word tells us, you said it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He has provided salvation as Hebrews spoke, as we read it. He provided the salvation. Father, I pray tonight that they would place their faith and trust in you. They would share that with somebody tonight. Lord, we love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.